0: Hello, Canada. Today's date, June 11th, 2023. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And
1: Lewis out here in BC.
0: How are you, my friend?
1: Well, pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, it's been, uh, been a quiet week in politics, but there's still lots to talk about.
0: There is lots going on, and... uh I got to give a shout out to the CFL because, well, we're back for another season, and I'm wearing my Atlantic Schooners t-shirt right now to celebrate. Uh, we're in the regular season of the CFL, and I am pumped.
1: So you're wearing a shirt for a team that doesn't exist. But I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to hope a lot harder because I don't know if that team is ever joining the league.
0: Yeah, but they do have the best party room at Grey Cup, so... all right all right so we've got a got a lot of little uh little topics to talk about today canada so on the show today canada is burning david johnson can't navigate through this one a fail on bail supreme court tests a little bit of pride and more where do you want to start sir Oh, uh, let's start with uh, bail. Okay, I knew you'd like this one because I saw you were a little heated about uh, one particular topic on your your Facebook feed, and then I went and brought another one up to you. So this is going to be a good one, Canada. So well, let's start with the one you didn't know about, First Lewis. Earlier this week, it was announced that Paul Bernardo was transferred from his maximum security prison in Kingston to a medium security prison in Mont-Tremblant, Quebec. Now, A, he should never be out of a maximum security prison in the first place because the piece of garbage doesn't deserve to be uh, breathing clean air. And But B, he was moved to this prison in Quebec, which allegedly is one that houses a lot of sex offenders. So now not only does he get to have less security and more freedom within the prison itself, He gets to be among like-minded psychopaths. Oh, Canada.
1: Yeah. Um, It's bad enough that Carla Homolka got away with what she did because she was actually, we found out after she got her, uh, her plea deal with the, with the state that, it was actually her that was the mastermind behind the murders of her own sister and her sister's friend. I mean, and it's bad enough that we let her go with minimal punishment and that she got to move on and get married and have her own kid and all of this. I mean, it's it's that's bad enough. Now, we're going to let Paul Bernardo into a, a medium security prison, which we all know that's just the leading up, that's just leading up to an eventual bail, or not bail, but parole release. I mean, this is one of the worst people walking the face of the earth. And we're just, and it's like, we just can't let him out soon enough. I mean, this, this is how it is in Canada. I mean, we just, we just don't believe in punishment for crimes or protecting the general public from these monsters. Because that's how I look at prison. I don't look at prison as being punishment. I look at prison as being you know, a protective step. Like a way to protect society from these monsters. Like I don't give i I don't believe in this paid paid his due or paid his price to society or paid his dues to society. I don't believe in that. I believe in if he's still a uh, uh, a threat, then that person stays in jail. And we have seen time and time again, Where even the parole board has said this person is a a high risk to offend but we're letting them out anyway i mean we've actually seen that like that's not hyperbole or anything we have actually seen that in parole board decisions where it's where it is actually written out in black and white that this person is a at high risk to reoffend but but you know it's their time to be let out and and it's and to me that's just wrong like i've got uh right here the latest one is just a second i just have to scroll to it here uh, michael white of edmonton he was convicted of murdering his pregnant wife and dumping her body in a ditch in 2006. He's been granted parole. Yet and for stand those down, of you, Canada. And for those of you who don't do math very well, he's been in jail for less than 15
0: years. Yep, but Lewis, you gotta got be fair to Michael White. Now stand down, Canada. It said, the parole board actually said, let me just find the quote for that, that um, Michael White still proclaims his innocence, and he demonstrates employment stability and the ability to live a law-abiding lifestyle. Oh, oh, oh well, silly me for thinking he should do his time. Well, he's willing to live a law-abiding life now. I know he killed his wife, an unborn baby, but nope, it's all good now. What a joke. Yeah, and he's not even taking accountability.
1: Nope. I mean, he—he he, it even says that he maintains his innocence. I mean, that's, if anything, that right there proves that, you know, this guy is not fit to be out in public.
0: No, exactly. And that, that was one thing. Um, you now, we've talked about Colin Thatcher not long ago, and he was uh, convicted of murdering his wife in the 1980s, and served a full sentence, and then he proclaimed his innocence through the whole thing, and that was one of the reasons he could not get early parole, is because he refused to uh, admit that he did it. And yeah. that happened to David Milgaard as well, that's a very famous case in Canada. He was told after 15 years, if you just admit you did it, we'll let you out. And he said, no, I'm, I, I'm not, and I did not do it, and eventually was exonerated. Now let's uh let's stay in Saskatchewan. Yeah, but that, there's
1: a difference there, Tony, because David yeah. Milgard actually didn't do
0: it. Well, oh, that's right. Yeah. Then and, uh, and good for him. But uh, but he wasn't uh, granted early parole because he wasn't willing to to admit to the crime. Yeah. And now let's talk about something else recently in Saskatchewan that we discussed on this show at length. Miles Sanderson speaking of a parole board that said, Yeah, you're dangerous, you're a piece of garbage but we're going to let you out uh, even yeah. though you have 59 convictions and go ahead and murder 10 people on your reserve. Fantastic work parole board. Now you're going to Yeah, because that around. one,
1: because that one was actually, uh, he was actually out on parole because of his skin color and that, that, and, and if anybody thinks that I'm making that up, I'm not, that is actually written in his parole board decision. Or in his uh, bail conditions, or whatever it was, I can't remember now. But it's actually written in there that his his race his race and background were taken into consideration when deciding whether he would go on uh, whether he would get release or not. And that and so he gets released. In, in and I'm, I don't want to remind people why he why he was in jail in the first place. He was in jail in the first place for attempted murder. When he stabbed his father-in-law or his no sorry his stepfather i think it was um so he attempted murder by stabbing him that man survived and then was murdered by him in that murder spree when he was on release for attempting to murder that guy in the first place i and i believe it was either his stepfather or his uh, father-in-law one or the other um so yeah, I mean that's. But he was released because of his race, and that's written in the release decision.
0: Yep, that's 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 gladu Canada. They they have to take the cultural background into consideration. Now, um, you would said something earlier on in your uh, when, in your discussion here on this topic about uh, about the prison system, and I remember I wasn't old enough to remember Pierre L. Trudeau saying it. But I do remember him being quoted saying, or his justice minister, which was either Lalonde or Chrétien, actually now that I think about it, who said that the the rehabilitation of the offender is is going to be the focus of our our penitentiary system. And, well, I don't think someone like Paul Bernardo, for example, can be rehabilitated. It was quite obvious that Miles Sanderson was beyond rehabilitation. Uh, Michael White, well maybe he can be rehabilitated doesn't deserve the shot after less than 15 years behind bars sorry not sorry like there's some serious shortcomings with this uh well justice system if you want to call it that and it's like our government doesn't care yeah we'll just release these violent offenders back into the community and and you said in our last show when we were talking about canada is dying 26 offenders 2100 crimes in edmonton alone it's not working canada it's just not working well yeah actually that one was uh it was
1: violent criminals that were on parole or on bail that committed 26 murders and 20 almost 2200 violent assaults that's what it was thank you yeah and they were, and all of those crimes were committed by people that were on parole or on, uh, that were out on bail.
0: Yeah, ridiculous. So, so yeah, fantastic. We, don't, we, don't,
1: we just don't take it seriously in this country. We don't. I mean, you look at someone in Canada, if you murder one person, you might as well murder 10 because you're getting the same exact uh, sentence.
0: Yeah. Well, and in Canada, uh, apparently... For those who keep these statistics, we have the lowest incarceration rate in the industrialized world. So I guess if we want to be smug and virtuous and say, oh, yes, we uh, we want to hug all the thugs. Well, yeah, they want to hug us, too, with a knife in their hand and they're doing it.
1: Yeah, we have the lowest incarceration rate. And yet we also won't let anyone defend themselves or protect themselves when being assaulted or someone's trying to murder you Um, yeah like it's it's pretty much illegal in this country to protect yourself and I mean I don't want to be like the U.S. where they have the highest incarceration rate in in the world I, I don't want that either because there's a lot of people in prison in the states that shouldn't be in prison but I also don't want to be like us I don't want to be in the country with the lowest incarceration rate when we have people out there murdering or, or assaulting or, uh, or you know battering people who should be in prison because they're out on release. I don't believe that either.
0: Yeah, oh, I'm with you on that. So um, when you talk to a defendant ourselves, that just reminded me of something I wanted to bring up. So we can we'll, we'll be able to just segue into that quickly. The firearms issue which of course is getting uglier by the day for legal lawful firearms owners. And Pierre Polyev made a statement last week, which I can't find now. So I don't know if it was just scrubbed for the media or if the recordings just aren't out on YouTube yet, but he talked about common sense firearms relationship or firearm legislation. And he used the words, you know, that Canadians should be able to possess, quote, firearms that are appropriate for citizens and, that's the the money quote that I can't find. I thought, wait a minute, Mr. Paul what do you mean firearms that are appropriate for citizens? Who makes that call? I'm not really thrilled with that statement. Uh, no, neither am I.
1: And and I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't like that statement at all. This is the first time I heard that statement. Um, I don't, I don't like it. That's not a, that's a very liberal uh Word to use, uh, you know, appropriate. It's. It seems like that statement sounds like it would have come out of Jean, uh, you know, uh, Jean Chrétien's mouth or out of uh, Justin Trudeau's mouth. Um. I mean, that's. Oh, I don't like that. Where did you hear that?
0: Uh, I've heard it from him when he was uh, at a news conference, but I, but the clip is like I wanted to make a clip of it, and I cannot find that anywhere. But I I saw him saying it because so I was it's on his uh on on Twitter I saw it so yeah I
1: don't like that that's yeah. that's very concerning because that sounds awful like awfully liberal esque
0: well it does and I'm wondering if he, if he didn't just scrub it because I cannot find the clip anywhere so yeah
1: I I hope that he's you know. If, if if he's ever questioned about it, I hope he
0: backtracks on it. Yeah, I certainly hope so, too. So uh, anyway, let's move along to... Uh, I don't think he will ever be asked anything about it. Oh, there you go. Sorry, you were just going to kind of pause for a second. I thought you were done. My bad. Just like, oh. I guess we just had a little connection issue for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> All anyway, right. So let's talk about some forest fires for a minute. Now we had brought this up uh, oh, probably a month ago. It was uh, shortly after the Alberta election had started, and the the deputy fire chief in Parkland County, which is just west of Edmonton, had said that there it had appeared that some of the forest fires had been deliberately set. And we left it alone at the time because, well, we know that always happens. But now. It uh, apparently was a big enough problem that the Alberta government is actually hiring arson investigators to investigate these forest fires. And so I did a little bit of digging and I'm gonna point out Canada that I actually found graphs in USA Today that I could not find anywhere on Canadian media. But anyway, thank you USA Today for publishing some graphs that came from a researcher and uh, was University of Thompson Rivers in BC? Yeah, that's in Kamloops. Yeah, yeah, that that's the one, yeah. And um, so this researcher had pointed out the causes of forest fires in Canada, because, because if you uh, listen to Vashti Capello's radio show, for example, or any of the officials from the Government of Canada, they were all saying that climate change is the cause of forest fires this year and lightning strikes were the cause of forest fires. And so this researcher in Thompson rivers pointed out that no, no lightning strikes were an issue in Quebec, not the biggest issue. And there were no lightning strikes in Nova Scotia with the forest fires. And same with Alberta, Saskatchewan, BC, you name it. There was no, the lightning strikes were not an issue. And then the graph, and I think we'll put those up on our Facebook page too. We'll put those graphs up after the show because human activity was by far the largest cause of forest fires and not yeah. just arson, but also campfires that were not put out properly, you know, uh, careless smoking, etc. But it was not climate change. It was not lightning strikes. It was human activity. That has set off most of the forest fires, and nobody is willing to talk about that, except us.
1: Yeah, well, and Ben Shapiro, because I was listening to Ben Shapiro's show yesterday, and he brought up the forest fires in Canada and how they've been characterized by uh, uh, Justin Trudeau as you know being caused by climate change, and then he brought up it might mu- it might have been the same report from thompson rivers university in kamloops that um that it was the they were the primarily caused by human activity and arsons right like uh like deliberately set or accidentally set by by people and um but this is something that we've been saying for years on this show um that most forest fires are caused by human activity or by lightning, um, not just like, and, and the thing is, is like they keep talking about how uh, forest fires are getting worse every year and all of this, kind. Of, it's not, they're not. Um, in fact, I saw a graph in uh, the New York Times of all places. That showed that Canada, because I, again, I haven't been able to find this graph in Canadian media. Um, I had to find it in the U in the U.S. and not, and and it, and it was even in a left-wing publication, uh, the New York Times. And the graph shows that forest fire activity in Canada has been steadily decreasing over the past 50 years, and uh, it you know it has its spikes and its valleys, but the overall trend is going down yes i believe it was 2019 when we had probably the most forest fires in the history of the province of bc uh but again that was a peak and then the next year we had a valley because we had like some of the lowest amounts of forest fires ever um and that was you know during covid when people weren't allowed out in the outside of their house um so the trend has been steadily going down over the past 50 years and it's and and one thing that's always bugged me is how people go in, in that that you know in a, in normal years we don't have this many fires or in normal years we aren't you know we uh we don't have. Uh, Uh, fire bans and all this kind of stuff and I'm like in what world do you live in we have fire bans every single year every single year and this year the fire bans went into place in in where I live uh, two days ago it's a little earlier than normal uh, but it is not unheard of I've seen fire bans come into play uh, in early May before Um, there is no such thing as normal. That's one thing I want to make very clear. I work outside. I have worked outside for years. There is no normal. I haven't had a single year that was the same as the last, uh, when it comes to weather, when it comes to temperatures, when it comes to, uh, forest fires, even I, I have not seen two years that are the same so enough with this normal bs there is no such thing as a normal year there is no such thing as whether that happens at the same time every year you know that's that's one of the things that uh like meteorologists on on the news hour when we were growing up do you remember because uh i mean we we don't watch the news anymore so you you wouldn't see meteorologists on tv anymore but when we were kids, I remember watching the news every night with my parents and the weather comes on at, you know, 635. And and uh, the meteorologist would say that, you know, uh, tomorrow's temperature is, you know, 22 degrees, which is four degrees above normal. Well, no, it's four degrees above average. There's no such thing as normal. Because... July 15th every year is not the same temperature every year. May 2nd is not the same temperature every year. May 2nd, it doesn't rain every single May 2nd. Like this, there is no such thing as a normal. There is only average. And if you're four degrees above average and that average temperature doesn't change, then there are times when it's four degrees below average and you know like it's not a normal there's no such thing as normal when it comes
0: to weather and temperature there is only average yep that's true and uh i want to touch on the climate change end of this for a bit i uh i don't deny that our climate is changing i never have but where i become a denier is when i when there's people who say it's it's all humankind's fault and i love having this argument with uh the younger generation because I remember very distinctly my high school graduation. Now the school I went to out in rural Alberta celebrated grad on May long weekend. And the year I graduated high school, we went to our grad on the Friday and it snowed a foot and a half on that day on the May long weekend. And okay. That's uh, certainly not quote unquote normal, Said, nor was it climate change because i think that august or july might be the only month where there is not a recorded snowfall somewhere in canada so uh you know you could say oh uh, yes it, it you could consider it normal because it happens you know every blue moon that you'll get all this crap ton of snow but no it's it's just it's outside of the average you're right and it's not climate change it's just hey you know what we got a crap ton of snow when we should not have got a crap ton of snow. And the fact that it was gone in three days means that, well, it just warmed back up to where it was supposed to be. So. Yep.
1: Yep. No. And I mean, it's the same thing with me. Uh, it's, it's funny because my, my high school did all the grad ceremonies on May long weekend as well. Oh okay, um, Yeah. And uh, what the year I graduated, it was hot. It was really hot. Like it was we were in our tuxedos and we were sweating bad because it was, (laughs) it was so hot. Um, But that was, it was definitely hotter than average, but I've had, you know, May long weekends where you still haven't planted your garden because it's, because the weather's been so bad or cold, right? Like, I mean, there is no such thing as normal when it comes to weather. There is only average. And the climate, the whole the definition of climate is that it's constantly changing. How much effect does human activity have on it? That is the that is the question. And I don't think that's a question that's been answered satisfactorily. I mean, it's do we affect it? Obviously. You can't have eight billion people on a planet you know polluting or whatever without affecting the climate how much do we affect it that's the question um it, it, whether whether we're the main drivers of it i, I think that is i think that's uh, farcical <laughs> uh to suggest that humans are the main driver of climate change because there was plenty of climate change before humans ever came along. Well, and before the industrial age, I mean, there's the, you know, I mean, you can't, the, 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 the example I like to point to is that the Northwest Passage, which is if you remember social studies class in uh, grade eight, Um, The Northwest Passage is the body of water between the Arctic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean on the uh, northwest side of North America. And uh, that passage has been frozen over for the past hundred years. Um, But a hundred years ago, it was open. It was free of ice. That's how we knew about it. Because there were ships that that traveled that that route and got all the way around the top of Canada that way. Um, and then it was frozen for 100 years. And now it's free of ice again. But it was free of ice 100 years ago. So was that human-caused climate change or is it only human-caused climate change now?
0: Yeah, that's right. Oh, good questions. That's actually one example I cite as well when I talked with uh, the climate change folks or the fact that the Vikings landed on Greenland and farmed a thousand years ago. Yeah. There was no industrial age back then. And you certainly couldn't uh, plant a garden in Greenland now to the extent they did back then anyway.
1: Yeah, well, and it's called Greenland for a reason. Yeah. (laughs) right like the the vikings when the vikings arrived like we now that there's like ice and and snow caps and stuff that are melting on greenland that that haven't melted in a few hundred years they're finding farming equipment like that that's thousand years old or more but the fact that it's melting now does not mean that it's you know, human caused climate change, because it was free of ice. Greenland was entirely free of ice a 1000 years ago. And the South, South uh, Pole, Antarctica, is actually gaining in ice. There's more ice in Antarctica than, than, I think, in almost recorded history. I mean, it's and they're gaining ice every year down there. It's getting bigger and bigger. It's not getting smaller. And, yeah. Uh, and I mean, so you, the Earth goes through these cycles, and I think it's pretty uh, much common sense if you just look at it objectively. But if you but if you have a an agenda, um, you're going to look at it only one way.
0: Yep. That's right. So, uh, and I'm
1: and but I just and I just want to make it clear I'm not saying that we should just keep keep doing what we do as humans because obviously there's a lot of what we do that is not good. Um, Like, I I, every time I go to the landfill, it just blows my mind that we just bury all that. Like, I, I just can't understand how we just bury it. We just dump it in a big hole and we cover it up with dirt. And then we put more on top of that and we cover that with (laughs) dirt. There's got to be a better way to deal with this,
0: but, you know, sidebar over. Yep. Hey, no, no worries. So, uh, you mentioned common sense. Well, David Johnson finally got some common sense and decided to resign. Now, uh, I had to keep up with this guy because he's actually already released a few things I wanted to talk about this week. He decided to appear before the parliamentary committee on election interference. And to his credit, he was booked for three hours and he stayed even a little longer than that to uh, have his discussion. And it was, it's funny how quickly he changed his tune in the parliamentary committee discussions. He was very defiant. And he said, you know, people who question my integrity, you know, don't, does, don't make it true just because they keep questioning it. And he was very defiant that he answers to the government and not to parliament, therefore not to the people of Canada. And then it finds out, we'd pointed out last weekend that he had hired the uh, crisis management slash reputation management firm Navigator in Toronto to help him navigate through this. And turns out somebody else had hired Navigator as well, that person being Han Dong. Uh, Canada, you'll remember the name Han Dong we pointed out on this show he is the MP for Don Valley North in Toronto who had and you pointed this out Lewis busloads of Chinese international students bust into his nomination meeting to make certain he became the Liberal candidate and then also had Chinese diaspora communities bust into the voting stations to make certain he won his seat and David Johnson cleared hand dong of any wrongdoing in the election interference circles without even talking to him. I'm not sure if that's a coincidence because they both had navigator, but uh, finally David Johnson realized, well, my hands might be a little bit dirty and maybe I'm in over my 81 year old head. And he stepped down. He issued a letter to the prime minister said, okay, um, Well, he didn't say it's been a rough week, but at the end of what was a very rough week for him, he decided to step down and said he will issue his final report by the end of June and encourages the prime minister to consult the opposition on finding a replacement for him for public hearings. I know damn well there was some doofus from BC who had brought that idea up. Can you think of who that might have been? It was on our show, I'm sure of it.
1: Oh, I um, oh my god, who was it? 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 Oh,
0: oh, it was, that me. was you, yes,
1: yes, it was me. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I said that. I've said, I wonder if he listens to our show because that was my exact um suggestion, right? I mean, I've made that suggestion a few times that the opposition MPs or opposition parties. Are the ones who get to decide who investigates the government, not the government. And it sounds like David Johnston has, agrees with me. And I, and in fact, here I'll read I'll read his resignation letter here. Uh, Dear Prime Minister, when I undertook the task of independent special rapporteur, again, stupid name for a stupid job. Uh, he didn't say that I did on foreign <laughs> interference. My objective was to help build trust in our democratic institutions. Well, you failed at that, buddy. I have concluded that given the highly partisan atmosphere around my appointment and work, my leadership has had the opposite effect. Yeah, no kidding. I am therefore tendering my resignation, effective no later than the end of June, 2023, or as soon as I deliver a brief final report, which I hope to be earlier. A deep and comprehensive review of foreign interference, its effects, and how to prevent it should be an urgent priority for your government and our Parliament. Although I concluded that a public inquiry under the Inquiries Act would not be a useful way to deal with what is almost exclusively classified information, I recommended public hearings both to educate the public and to consider necessary reforms to various aspects of the government systems and policies dealing with foreign interference. The concluding pages of my first report identified numerous areas in need of study, analysis, and reform, including, although not limited to, the effects of foreign interference on diaspora communities, legal and regulatory reforms necessary to more comprehensively address foreign interference and a comprehensive review of the way in which intelligence is communicated and processed from security agencies through to and within government. I encourage you to appoint a respected person with national security experience to complete the work that I recommended in my first report ideally you would consult with the opposition parties to identify suitable candidates to lead this effort my legal team and i will be happy to assist in any way we can yours faithfully david johnston
0: and the last part of that letter is actually The most important, yes, let us get somebody who has some national security experience. Yes, let us get somebody who the opposition can agree on. And as you're reading that, actually, a name popped in my head, and that name is Sam Cooper. Now, Sam Cooper was working with Global News. He's a journalist who is now uh, on an independent platform of his own. So now he's beholden to nobody. And he has been on the China file literally for decades in fact there's a lot of sam cooper's work that has exposed the election interference especially with uh, the likes of kenny chu in vancouver for example um if you want to find anybody who knows that file well and now he's completely independent of any media outlet sam cooper he's um yeah he's got my vote just that name popped to mind while you were reading that and that's uh, he'd be a great person to head that up yeah. if he be interested I doubt he would But
1: yeah well I mean I just I find it interesting that the, the first thing that he says in there is that the appointment his, his appointment and work has been highly partisan um, <laughs> yeah yeah thanks for pointing out the obvious um, but it's true I mean that's his appointment was highly partisan and yeah there's people who were very concerned about it, um, and rightly so, judging on the uh, conclusions that his report came to. um, Maybe public inquiries are not the right way to go about it because, as he said, it's almost exclusively, um, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, with classified material. Classified. It's almost exclusively classified information. Um, I don't think it should be classified information. Um, I think that the Canadian public needs to know about it. Uh, I don't. I, I don't think that. Um, uh, I, maybe it. Is, but maybe it isn't the right way to deal with it. Maybe the right way to deal with it is to have a full-on, you know, uh, investigation run by someone who knows what they're doing. Um, and who's going to, you know, actually give a, a final report that that isn't protecting his buddies.
0: That's a really good way to, to put it. Yeah. Yeah, we know, that certainly was something that David Johnson was doing. He certainly was trying to protect the prime minister. And, the, and that's why he was appointed in the first place, in my opinion. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so a uh, couple more topics to talk about here. This one, we'll will, will rattle this off quickly. I, uh, I've i given Premier Blaine Higgs of New Brunswick a few different shout-outs on this show because he is one of the most sane premiers in this country. I actually quite admire him. And, well, he came through for us again. And what he has said was not even controversial, in my opinion. But because it is Pride season, um, Blaine Higgs had, had said that in New Brunswick, if a child wants to come out as transgender or whatever other alphabet soup component they, uh, they choose to come out as, all he said was, if a child under 16 wants to come out as whatever, they can uh, do so without parental consent. So they can't just say, hey, I'm suddenly going to be identifying as a horse and I want to get horse surgery. Uh, yes, I'm being ridiculous, of course, but they can't hide it from their parents like they can in other jurisdictions. And Blaine Higgs just said, "No, they cannot hide it. They have to have parental consent if they want to become a they them." And oh, the left is not happy with him, especially when he said, "Hey, you know what? I'll 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 shut down and have an election on this issue if we need to." Good for you, Mister Higgs. Thank you for providing some sanity.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree with you on that. Um, there is nothing controversial about what he said. The only reason it's controversial is because the uh, Alphabet people and their allies are upset about it. That's the only reason it's controversial. That doesn't mean it's controversial because <laughs> anybody who has kids knows that this is not controversial and i think what he's mostly referring to is the school systems and the uh and and doctors you know that the schools cannot be calling their kid by different pronouns without the parents uh knowing about it and approving it um that because i mean the schools right now are doing this in secret the schools across this country are transing kids without parental knowledge and it's it's widespread i mean it's happening at my kids high school and it's happening at your kids high schools i mean this is there there is this is one of the most damaging components of the woke culture that is destroying an entire generation of of kids it truly is um i mean i've had discussions we i just had a discussion actually with with um one of the parents of of one of the kids in my uh in my daughter's class who happens to be Uh, gay uh, uh, like the other kid is gay openly gay so I'm not exposing anyone here Um, and uh, I was having a discussion with her mom and she's in full agreement with me she like she knew her daughter was gay before her daughter knew she was gay Uh, she, she said it was they, but they had the discussion with her when she came to them and told them that she was gay and said, you know, like, you know, having a crush on someone is not the same as actually being gay, right? Like, you can you can feel attracted to somebody, not sexually, but just attracted to someone's personality without, without it meaning that you're gay. But, but she is gay. And um, they, they've accepted that, they support that, um, which, good for them. Uh, but what she said to me was she said the schools are pushing it like not just this but she said what she's mostly concerned about is the schools are pushing uh trans and uh and i of course everybody who listens to the show knows that i agree with that that the schools are pushing it like if you show any kind of deviation whatsoever from the norm oh maybe you're trans like maybe you're Maybe you're a boy and not a girl, or vice versa. Like, it's, I mean, we just saw, um, uh, who was it? I can't remember who released all this information, but about uh, Ellen Page, uh, or Elliot Page. Sorry, don't want to dead name anybody. Um, Elliot Page uh, only was, so it was very self-destructive before deciding to trans her, uh, her herself, herself, himself, whatever. Um, <laughs> they When COVID first started, apparently what happened was Ellen Page at the time, uh, went and stayed in a cabin in the woods of Ontario and became very self-destructive and started self-harming, attempted to uh did all kinds of self-destructive behavior like cutting and and uh punching herself and um like physically beating herself up and i don't know if this sounds like a healthy mentally healthy person to you or not um but it doesn't to me and 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 when Ellen Page at the time I got to keep clarifying that because I don't want to (laughs) be sued for dead naming um at the time Ellen Page thought to herself well maybe I'm trans I should investigate this more and within only, I believe it was only a few weeks, she had a a teleconference call with a doctor, and within months had had the surgery. Like this was not a mentally healthy person. And this is something that I've been pointing to on this show and in my real life. I am not afraid to say this in real life either. That the people who are who are who are trans are almost unanimously mentally ill. Almost unanimously have mental health problems. Uh, they come from really horrible upbringings. They've been they've suffered abuse. They they are um there there are uh also narcissistic they they want attention they are attention whores you know like i mean look at dylan mulvaney there isn't a biggest bigger attention whore on the planet than dylan mulvaney um i mean it's this is something that is being pushed on our kids. I was just at my kids' high school, and because it's Pride Month or season or whatever, their library is full of trans books now. Boy to girl is one of them that was in their library. I saw it. Um, there was there were other books too that that it's kind of shocking what was what was on the shelves of the library. Um, and so I give props to premier Higgs over this, um, because this is what is happening to our kids right now is a crime. It's a crime. What is happening to our kids right now? And so I think you're going to find that the silent majority are starting to push back. I mean, we've seen it with Bud Light. Bud Light has lost $30 billion. Target has lost $20 billion. I mean, yes, that's happening more in the States than it's happening in Canada because Canadians are so complacent. Um, But I think you're starting to see things happen in Canada too. I'm talking to more and more people who agree with me and who are starting to get fed up and starting to push back. And I think that it's... I think it's starting to happen. And I mean, that's why you're seeing things ramp up on the other side too, because they don't have a choice. They have to ramp it up because, because they, uh, the pushback is becoming, is coming at, at such a high level now that they have to ramp up their, their propaganda and their BS to, to uh, unseen levels because they've got to drown out the opposition. Um, but I don't think it's going to work. I think, it's it, it they always say it gets worse before it gets better and it's getting worse right now so it must be getting better soon
0: yeah well i mean that's why there has been so much hate for jordan peterson was because he you know the whole reason he became you know, well known was that he refused to be compelled to utilize you know preferred pronouns and i mean that was just the tip of the iceberg as you see now so so yeah, definitely a good on, on Blaine Higgs. I uh, really want to thank Mr. Higgs for actually just speaking sanity. So And thank you for standing up for the kids
1: because these kids do not have protection. They cannot protect themselves because kids don't have fully developed brains. They don't have the life experience to know that what they're being told is bullshit. And I am so thankful that we have a leader in this country who is willing to stand up and say what's right, because what's popular isn't always right, and what's right isn't always popular, and right now, what he is standing up and saying is not popular. So I commend you on that, Premier Higgs, and I thank you for standing up for the for the kids that cannot defend themselves, which is almost all of them. Kids can't defend themselves. And we need parents to stand up and defend their kids. And and I'm thankful that we have a political leader that is. So thank
0: you. Yep, well said. So we've got one more topic I wanna to touch on and well, yeah, we've got got just enough time for it. Whenever the, uh, the political establishment, legal establishment, the Laurentian elites Wanna share something that's gonna make Canadians angry or uncomfortable? The news always tends to drop 4:30 in the afternoon on a Friday, you know, just before the weekend starts. And what do you know? I was at the gym on Friday afternoon, and it would have been around five o'clock Eastern time when the story came across the ticker at the on the TV there, that the Supreme Court of Canada had decided coincidentally on friday afternoon that they would not hear the case of annette lewis from alberta okay who the hell is annette lewis tony annette lewis is a lady who um there's a publication ban on what exact organ transplant she needs she needs to survive but she has a terminal illness and she was on an organ transplant list in alberta she refused to get the the vaccine for the 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 covid virus for the wuhan virus she would not get her covid shots she said that was bodily autonomy she did not want the vaccines she was removed from the organ transplant list because she refused to get the vaccines so she took it to court the justice center for constitutional freedoms took up her case and went to the alberta appellant court and said You know that uh, should be her choice whether she gets a vaccine or not and she should be entitled to get the organ transplant like anybody else should the appellate court in alberta dismissed her her claim about charter rights to bodily autonomy stating in their words that the charter has no applications to clinical treatment decisions which i disagree with personally but i'm not a legal scholar so Ms. Lewis said, well, no, that's not acceptable. She's gonna take it to the Supreme Court so the Supreme Court can decide. Well, the Supreme Court looked at it and said, "No, nope, we're not even gonna hear the case. So now, even now in 2023, now that we know all the vaccine injury claims that have come along, we know the, the effects minimal and harmful of the vaccines, and still she is being denied because she refuses to get the shots i'm i'm furious about this for two different reasons one that because the supreme court wouldn't pick this up now this uh, this alberta case is going to be the precedent for any future cases about bodily autonomy and two the mainstream media stream media is attacking this woman saying well this stupid woman should just Get the shot so she can get her transplant. Why would she die for a cause? Um, I guess that's what martyrs do. I don't know. I'm not saying that Miss Lewis is a martyr by any means, but I admire her for standing up for her convictions. And I'm furious that the Supreme Court just uh, said, nope, nope, the Alberta Appeal Court was fine. I
1: I can't believe this is happening in Alberta. Right? Like, you'd think that... that- this would be something high on uh, on Danielle Smith's list of things to abolish the the mandatory vaccination for uh, like how did that even get decided in the first place because there's there's no law that says you have to get vaccinated or else you can't get a organ transplant and and even now when we when when COVID is no longer even a thing yeah i mean it's gone i mean covid's gone like covid isn't a thing anymore uh and the vaccines were ineffective anyway and potentially more dangerous than they than any good that they provided and so and so even if she wants to have a transplant now she has to have the she has to
0: get the vaccine
1: yep Oh, that's
0: yep, she, she. Yes, yep. yeah. She she's off the transplant list altogether until she gets the shots in twenty twenty three, as we speak on June eleventh. Ridiculous. That's like, get, that's like saying,
1: oh, you have to get a vaccine against the black plague if you want because, but it, because the black plague isn't a thing anymore. Like there is no black plague anymore. Just like there's no COVID anymore. I mean, this is wow. I'm, whew, I'm steaming about this one. I mean, this is, this is bad. I mean, like, she's going to die because of this decision. She's going to die because of this decision. And I mean, I don't blame her for not getting the vaccine. I wouldn't have gotten the vaccine had I, you know, known how dangerous it could have been. Like I'm, I just, I kind of count myself lucky that I wasn't, that I didn't experience anything bad from it. My wife did, my daughter did nothing, nothing permanent that we know of, but they both were vaccine injured. Um, I've, I know several people, I mean, we've talked about them on the show who, who are my age, who had strokes, who are, who need, who need care for the rest of their lives because that's how bad the strokes were. Um, I mean, I, yeah, this is wrong. This is very, very wrong. And, and i i can't believe that our supreme court would convict her to death basically yeah
0: uh, they are. they're they're
1: they're they're letting her die over ideology yeah over ideology for something that that is pretty much universally accepted as being completely ineffective and and more dangerous than good. Yep, exactly. For something that doesn't even, it isn't
0: even a thing anymore. Like this is, oh my God. Yeah, it's, it's shameful. It's absolutely shameful that, uh, I mean, it's bad enough that we're killing our citizens with things like maid, etc. And, you know, just because she doesn't want to get vaccines in 2023 for a virus that wasn't even the most lethal virus in the world in 2020 when we thought it was. And yeah, I, I'm actually beyond words. Yeah. And I mean,
1: and, and not to mention the fact that I think they're saying now that only about, 20% Twenty percent of the reported deaths were actually caused by COVID. That it was mostly people who were terminally ill, like who were who who had terminal illnesses that died, um, but they died anyway. Like they were they were dying anyway. Um, like it's it's something like twenty percent or something of. Of all, the, of all the reported COVID
0: deaths that were that are actually caused by COVID. Well, we discussed that before too. I mean, the deaths yeah. with COVID as opposed to from COVID, right? So Yeah. And
1: if you listen to the terminology, they always say with COVID.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, that's just, I can't believe that that's happening in Alberta.
0: Yeah. It's a, uh, It's pathetic, is what it is. So, yeah. We're going to leave it there, Canada. We do want to thank you for joining us. And until next week, it is Tony in Saskatchewan and Lewis in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. and Tony.